You're listening to Deliberate Living. The podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a nomad, coach, creator, and outdoors woman. And I'm Beers, a vagabond, joy artist, permissionary, and story breaker. We explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms. Finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nathan Beers. And I am the other host, Holly Priestley. And this week we have with us uh, Sam, is it Terrell? Terrell, yes. Awesome. And Sam is someone I first heard about a couple of years ago. A uh, uh, woman I was seeing at the time had gone through a course that Sam in, develops and instructs. And she just raved about the content that he was providing. And it was, it was not actually until uh, a few months ago at a New Year's party that Sam and I happened to run into each other and realize who each other were. And uh, after we had already been having great conversations about really somewhat esoteric, somewhat very practical topics for for hours. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited to have you on here, Sam. Super excited to be here. I can't wait to jump in. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us uh, a little bit, if you don't mind, about what what it is that you do, what you've developed um, and what your what your goals are. Absolutely. So my story is a little bit long. I'll start from the the first work our way up. Um, So growing up, I moved around a lot. Um, Between the age of seven and 18, I lived in 12 different places uh, throughout Florida. So it was all moving in Florida. I was raised by a single mom. She was an entrepreneur, have three siblings. And so I didn't really have a lot of consistency growing up. Um, basketball was the place that I found that became what I would call home. It was where I was the most in my comfort zone. It was where I was the most, I was able to be competitive. I was able to let out my, my energy in that space. And so uh, my passion growing up was I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play in the NBA. I wanted to be a college basketball player. Um, unfortunately I had a, I was at a small school my senior year of high school. I didn't have that opportunity to play in college. I got injured my senior year. I had to recover from that injury quickly. And by the time the college recruiting process came around, I was very far behind. I didn't realize that you needed to be reaching out to colleges in your sophomore year, your freshman year. By the time I'm in my senior year, I had basically run out of time. So when I graduated high school at 18, I started a, a small side hustle called Hoop Brothers, which the goal of Hoop Brothers was to help my brother not have the same challenge I did. So the pain that I went through of losing that opportunity to play in college, I wanted to make sure he had that opportunity. So I started, I bought a video camera, started filming games, editing highlight videos, teaching myself how to do that. And this was uh, about 10 years ago. So this is when YouTube was not nearly as big as it is now. Um, And what I realized quickly was that there was a real demand for videos for high school basketball players. So the first four or five years of my career were spent building a business, which was Hoop Brothers and providing video services to high school basketball players at local events in Orlando. Um, And piece by piece, Hoop Brothers grew. Uh, We went from a a small 
business, a small side hustle into a, a national business over the course of those five years, closed national accounts, started hiring hundreds of videographers all throughout the U.S., um, hired an internal team to help me manage it. We ended up working with over 7,000 high school basketball players over that time. Um, and several years in, I was able to get to a place of financial freedom. Um, my brother, Tiger, got a scholarship for college. He was able to, to pursue that dream that I wasn't. And so the mission was was complete in that sense. I was successful in building a business on my own. I dropped out of college and was pursuing Hoop Brothers full time uh, and then hired a team to manage the full operation of Hoop Brothers. So by 25 years old, I was at a place of financial freedom where business is running itself. There's no longer a need for my time. I, I empowered my leadership team to run the entire operation. Um, so I'm still a 90% owner in Hoop Brothers, but about three years ago, I was able to get out of the the day-to-day -day operations. Um, we can, any thoughts on that before I jump to diverging you? That's kind of the first story or the first venture I was really involved with. Well, that's, that's a part I've not heard of at all, mm. uh, which is fascinating. It, uh, so it sounds like having achieved that freedom allowed you then to focus on areas that you may not have been able to mm -hmm. without that? Yeah, it was when I got to that place, I really had to reflect. I actually had a moment where I I asked the universe, like I, I grew up very uh, atheist, let's say my mom was in a, in a religion that was not healthy. Um, and she went the complete opposite direction. So there's no, no spiritual perspective at all. Um, and I, over the course of several years, I found my own relationship with spirituality, with the universe, with, uh, what we would call God or source, or everyone has a different word for it or a, a way to explain it. But, you know, I, I was pacing around my living room, like, all right, universe, tell me, tell me what the mission is. Tell me what I'm here for. Tell me what my purpose is. And, the, the thing that came to me was this idea of starting a school around divergent thinking, which is something that I had been thinking about for years, but didn't feel qualified to do, didn't feel capable, didn't feel worthy, didn't feel like I could be the person to do that because I'm a college dropout. So who am I to start a school as a college dropout? Um, but in that moment, I got the permission and it was it was an internal thing. It was an intuitive me asking like I'm ready and then basically saying yes to myself, if we want to call it that, um, but getting that yes from a, from what I would say is like a, a higher power, so to speak, and then starting Diverging You and starting really small with building a program that helps people find their passion and turn it into a business. And that's what I was able to do is something I was passionate about, build a business around it. So it's kind of a combination of creative thinking, divergent thinking, combined with business development training. And so we've created a program that's a three month program now over the course of the last three years, helping people to find, take those creative ideas and refine them into businesses. And some of that's personal development, some of that's business development, but it's all community-based. And so it's been a, a really fun journey now um, in building Diverging You as well. That's awesome. So I didn't think I realized either that when our mutual friends was in the course, that was actually pretty early in the Divergent U development. Yeah, that was the second semester. We've now had our, we're now in our ninth cohort. 
Um, so that, wow. was our, that was before we published our workbook. That was before um, that that was a, a, a beta test still to some degree. OK. And can you can you define divergent thinking? Yes. Uh, so I would define it in contrast with convergent thinking. So convergent thinking is thinking to a set point. So imagine multiple arrows pointing to the center. And so if we're converging to a singular point, any question that has a correct answer, two plus two equals four, that's a convergent question because there's a right answer to it. So our entire education system is built around standardized tests, which are convergent tests. Divergent thinking is starting from a point and expanding. So it's using our thoughts to creatively explore rather than get to a set point. And so when we think about divergent thinking as thinking expansively, thinking openly, thinking curiously, thinking creatively, I see it as you are the source, we are the source, and we expand from, we're not trying to get to, which is more of a convergent idea. So divergent thinking is this idea of expanding constantly. And it's a very nuanced idea. I don't think people, even some of the experts that I've heard speak about divergent thinking, usually use it for brainstorming and then converging back into a point, um, which is a, is a use for divergent thinking. But to me, there's so many uh, opportunities of divergent thinking that it's the root, in my opinion, the root of all soft skills. Because soft skills, quote unquote, are those skills that can't be tested. Things like leadership, creative intelligence, decision-making, emotional intelligence. Um, so divergent thinking is really the root of many of those skills. Um, and there's some, some data I could, I could share from case studies that have been done where they tested 98% of, uh, they tested kindergartners, over 200,000 kindergartners through kindergarten through the graduation of high school. And in kindergarten, 98% of them tested at a genius level in divergent thinking. So incredible imaginations. They, they can come up with so many ideas. Um, but by the time they graduated high school, only 2% of them were testing at that same level in divergent thinking. And so that's the our society is this, this void of education around individualized learning, individualized creative thinking. We're not trying to force students into a box because that it lowers our confidence. It lowers their um, ability to come up with their own ideas. They start to judge themselves by a letter grade. And that whole system is no longer what's needed in the world of today. We need leaders. We need creators. We need visionaries. We need people that can come up with new solutions, not just follow the process. So that's the deep dive to answer your question about divergent thinking and, and my perspective. It dovetails nicely with the, the purpose of this podcast is to talk with people who are making deliberate choices to live outside of the box, outside of the cookie cutter convergence of what we are supposed to be doing. And right. yeah, 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 those, those shoulds, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I even sometimes go as far as to say there's there is no box, right? Divergent thinking is like if convergent thinking is thinking inside the box, divergent thinking is thinking without the box. The box does not exist. It's something that we we create, and so right. to, to put ourselves outside of that paradigm, um, I know that's something that you guys do with everything that 
you're working on is stepping outside of that paradigm and saying, there's other ways to do this. Why don't we start with what's inside and take that outside rather than try to fit into what's outside uh, is how I would explain that. So what prompted you to begin being divergent, to mm. actually begin to develop a lot, so many deep thoughts around this divergent thinking? I think it was probably from my childhood, uh, having moved around so many times and seeing my mom as an entrepreneur, she was always ready to say, you know, do the thing that makes you happy. And she would invest into our ideas. She would invest into uh, both both energy and money into the things that were important to me and were important to my siblings. Um, even during times that we didn't necessarily have the resources to do that, she would go out of her way to do that. So I think I had been learning divergent thinking from a very young age from my mom. And then it was applying that in my business with Hoop Brothers. Uh, it was something that I don't remember when I came across the term divergent thinking for the first time. I can't fully piece that piece in there, but uh, I know I've been a divergent thinker very likely my whole life. Uh, and I think the instability as a kid affected that a lot because going from place to place, not having consistent friends, not having a consistent home, I had to learn how to be adaptable. And I think that's a big component of divergent thinking is, is being able to adapt to new situations. Um, so I, I think that naturally happened growing up. Did you ever find that your knack for divergent thinking, whether you had a name for it or not, um, collided with what you thought you wanted? Or did you have a confidence all the way through, you know, 18 year old self going to college, not getting that scholarship? Um, was there a part of you that was like, I want to do it the way everybody else is doing it because that's how everybody else is doing it. And I want to fit in. I moved around a lot as a kid too. And sometimes that instability was like, I don't want to go anywhere for spring break. I just want to stay home and play with my friends because I can't have friends if I don't stay home to play with my friends. But my family was always traveling and then we would move. And sometimes I just wanted to fit in. And now as I'm older, you know, I very much appreciate the experiences that I had. Um, but at the time, right, especially at that age, all you want to do is fit in. Did you ever experience that? Or were you always just confidently like, I'm doing my own thing, whatevs? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I think there was, we had a really tight knit family growing up. So I think my siblings, specifically my brother, Tiger, he's the one that I ended up helping build Hoop Brothers around. We had such a close relationship growing up that I got so much of the joy and the friendship and the things out of that. And, and I became so accustomed to it that I think we collectively had a chip on our shoulder of we're going to do it our way. And that stemmed from my mom. I mean, my mom was a was an Internet entrepreneur in the 90s, like outperforming men in entrepreneurship as a woman in tech, like in the early days. So I think that rebel spirit of I'm going to do it my way was just rubbed off on us. So I think that obviously we all feel those moments of doubt and those moments of of not knowing what we're doing. I think Hoop Brothers, when I started it, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. It was more a fun project. Um, and I think that passion for it outweighed like the vision or the goals. I wasn't really trying to 
build something huge with it. I was just trying to help my brother and do something I loved. And that's what allowed it to grow. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of moments of doubt and moments of, of uh, questioning. And I, we can jump into those. But as far as the trying to fit in, I think I always liked being on the outside. I think I like wear the outcast badge with honor um, and <laughs> and more so almost almost probably to an unhealthy degree where I could probably lean in a little bit more. And I'm like, I'm going to stay on my stay outside the bubble, um, probably to a degree. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's there could definitely be some advantages at times to be able to. Kind of world shift uh to all right i'm going to adapt a little bit to conform enough to be approachable in this context uh and also out here i'm gonna break all the rules mm -hmm. and i i that's been a, a challenge because even right now I do, I also produce music. I uh, have music videos that I've done. I do hip hop. I, my last song was like a lullaby on the keyboard you see next to me. Um, so like I've, I've struggled with balancing getting the respect from the business world with the creative side because a lot of times the emotional intelligence, the creative, the music, those aren't seen as uh, virtues in a lot of ways to the world of, of wealth where it's all right. about building business and so the fact that I've 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 been on the outside looking in in almost both worlds the business world I'm a little bit too too creative and too outside the box where they want to do things a certain way and then the creative world is usually there's a resistance to the wealth world because money the the relationship a lot of us have had growing up I know myself included um, with money is not necessarily like money's the best thing so when you're trying to build a business and you're trying to do it in a creative way, it's almost alienating from, from both of those worlds. Um, it's kind of what I've experienced and still experience in trying to find my way to, like, where is my my place in that is something that I still, still am challenged with, I would say. I think that's really interesting. Um, I've also been in the entrepreneurial world for a very long time and um, am re-diving into the creative world. A lot of people, Beers included. I think he laughed at me a few years ago when we first met and I was like, I'm not a creative. He like laughed at me. He thought I was joking. But at the time, I really, truly believed that I wasn't because I was very like analytical doing things like, you know, in that in that world, in that more like business world, left brain world. Um, and I do. I mean, I definitely still struggle with trying to like marry the two and like make everything um you know, work the way I want it to, because it doesn't need to work the way anybody else wants it to. It's supposed to work for me. It's my life. It should benefit me in whatever way I need it to. Um, do you have any, uh, like, tips or mantras or pieces of advice that you can share to somebody who's maybe a creative wanting to go into business or a business person wanting to try and be creative? Do you have, how do you bridge them? So the framework that we, our whole curriculum is built around, we call the divergent thinking model. Uh, and it's it's three pillars. So first is values at the top. Um, mm. That points down to goals, and then that points down to process. And so that's kind of a decision making matrix, so to speak, so to speak, for a business or for an individual. And what what that's saying is, before we get to what should I do, 
that's a process question. We have to start with who am I in the value section? So where we start is what are your values? And that's something that everybody gets to define for themselves. Then once we know who we are, what are our goals? What is it that I want to accomplish? What is it that I want to contribute to the world? What is it that I want to build and create? And then we get to the process of what to do and how you should do it. And that's hard to know if you don't know who you are and what you want. So that's really starting with those two. And then when we get to that process, like you said, it's unique. Um, part of divergent thinking is we're not putting people in a box and saying there's one way. It's more so how do we define or discover your way? Um, and that's the model we've used to do that is first defining who are you and your values? What are your goals that you're trying to accomplish? And then we'll create a process or discover a process to, to get there um, in a unique way. I don't know if that fully answers your question because it doesn't really bridge those two worlds, but that's kind of how I would approach it in the individual sense. I think it does. I've seen so much in the startup world, in hustle culture, in, you know, that whole thing um, where people start on step two or step three, they'll start with what are my goals? And they don't necessarily know how to define their goals. They're just using goals that other people have said for them, or they keep their goals very vague. And I find that if you keep your goals very vague, you're going to keep yourself very small. Um, but if you use goals that somebody else has defined for you, you know, you're going to be, you're going to feel like you're on a treadmill and like not going anywhere. And you're just like working, 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 working. And you're like, how am I not happy yet? And it's like, do you know what happiness means for you yet? Do you know? And like, they haven't done that work to like figure that out. So I think, I think that does help personally. I think it does. Curious what beer is. But like, to me, like if I could take that to like any of the startup events that like happen in, I lived in Denver, um, previously and like you know there's always things going on there's always entrepreneurial events and networking and that sort of thing and I think that if you took a workshop like that people would be a lot more like oh like ding a lot of light bulbs going off in that room next talk on uh, on that model um in 2019 I was I was really like the story of getting that TEDx talk is just synchronicity I wrote a talk and I messaged my friend James uh who has a has a large company they're like a fortune 5000 organization that does podcasting and i wrote my ted talk and i was like divergent leadership was the name of the talk and i messaged my friend james who's the first person i messaged after i wrote it this was just like in an inspired action moment um i was just excited like i just wrote this ted talk I, I, one day maybe i'll be able to give it and he was standing next to someone at the time i texted him who was hosting a ted talk called inviting divergence Whoa. The synchronicity of that. <laughs> like, so I got an interview with the guy. I was able to go fly out and give my talk. And it was just like. <laughs> Inspired. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. The It's so fascinating to me hearing you talk about how it starts with the values and builds from there and how the box is isn't real the box is completely made up and it it's no wonder to me that when we first met before we realized who each other were how we mm -hmm. started having such a great conversation because it it's dovetails and it's so similar in some ways to a lot of the story breaking uh stuff i've been developing where mm -hmm. it our story, whatever story we are in, we are actively creating it. And, and we so often find ourselves creating for ourselves stories 
that put us in positions to feel really awful about ourselves, to feel really insufficient, um, to feel that we don't measure up, um, to that that really undercut our our confidence, that undercut uh, that that really weigh us down with a lot of shoulds and by starting with understanding and choosing and consciously choosing our values then we can see how we can actively create the story that we're in and frame the story that we're in in a way that actually encourages our freedom uh and rather than discourages us uh so it's 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 really beautiful hearing hearing how much some of the the, the philosophical groundings of this are, are so so very similar a hundred percent i have a, a quick story on the 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 getting lost aspect and and not having that value-centered portion so mm. after after who brothers had achieved the mission and tiger had gotten a scholarship for college i i had a moment of of getting really lost and feeling this void of not knowing what to do next, because that was the purpose of the company was to help. Right. You did it. <laughs> yeah, we, we accomplished it. And so I didn't consciously process all of this at the time, but I had a lot of doubt and a lot of uncertainty come up and coming up for me at that time. And I started to focus more on money than on the purpose. And I actually started a, a, um, what I called millionaire mission. It was a, a vlog series that I did for about six months where I was vlogging my behind the scenes of building Hoop Brothers. And, and it was really about, I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to make a million dollars. And I had lost a lot of the focus on the purpose and the values and made it more about, let me make as much money as I can. And the funny thing is- Which I, valuing money is a is a- outside in story right that that, that right. is something but, but that's I, actually I'll, about I'll, valuable I'll, to achieve I'll, I'll be i'll be famous i'll be i'll be rich i'll be all these things like trying to find myself outside myself in those um and it absolutely backfired um i had like i did like 100 episodes of this vlog i probably had an average of 20 viewers or something like that so that was already getting to my ego and my my confidence but that I also was investing more money than I had. I wasn't paying enough attention to the, the fiscal side of the business. And we nearly went out of business. I invested $50,000 of money that we'd made into building a new platform that I didn't do in a mindful way. And we lost all of that. I had to let go a lot of my team. We had to get out of our office. Um, and we nearly went out of business. And it wasn't until like me and my, uh, I then brought on a business partner who was an admin for me at the time. Uh, Jess and she helped to restabilize things and get us get us building again. But there was a real moment of this could fail, and because I was so focused on the, the the money aspect of being a millionaire and being famous and like trying to make it in that way, I lost track of the purpose, and that led to my biggest failure that I'd ever had. So that's a real world example of how when I was focused, like I said, in the beginning on those values and just on the passion, it naturally grew. And as soon as I stopped focusing on that and started focusing externally, it fell apart. And so I had to get back into the purpose of it and, and 
rebuild from there. So that that's a tangible example of how that happens. And how do you how do you go about helping people to consciously define their values? Mm. Because I feel like we all have them, but when asked, like, what is it? Eh, most people really have a hard time pinpointing in on on actually stating what their values are. A lot of it is is questions, like divergent questions. So one of the questions I like to ask is, how do you want to be? And that usually causes people to to think. So for both of you, how do you want to be? I've done a lot of values work, so I kind of, I'm cheating. Like, I know the answers to this question already. <laughs> um, but, like, ultimately, right now, at this point in my life, I want to live uh, just, like, a nice, like, boring, simple, slow life that allows me enough, um, like, energy to do the things that I want to do. Um and, you know, gives me enough money to pay the bills and, you know, treat my friends and support local artists and do that sort of thing. Um, some of my biggest core values are living in integrity. Um, that's like probably my number one. And uh, creativity, support, service of others um, and that sort of thing. But like I've done deliberate work on it and it took deliberate work to come to realize it. Right. Like. We all have, like Beer said, we all have these like fuzzy ideas of what you want in life and what your values might be. But yeah, if you had to like write down like your top core values, like you have to do the work. Right, right. That's a that's an exercise, Beers. I love your your thoughts on that. Yeah, for me, I want to I want to be a supportive and encouraging friend uh, to those closest to me. I want to encourage and support the creation of new things in this world. Um, I want to really try to restore what I think is the corrected order of things where the masculine energy is there to create a container for the feminine energy to create. Um, and, and to that, that, that Yoni energy to bring newness into this world, um, and not just, not just biologically, but like the creative energy that flows through the feminine energy. Um, I feel like there's been, uh, millennia of patriarchal suppression of that and relegation of that. And yeah, and I really want to help to um, actively flip that to its proper order. So that's that's kind of how how I want to be. That's powerful. Um, that's powerful. I think one three things that I feel like I took out of that that we all share that I would agree with for me is the integrity, the the creativity, and the supportiveness. I think those are things that I'm I hold very true to myself and core values. Um, but what we do with that question in, in a tangible sense is I'll have people write down a list of let's say 15 to 20 words that they would just openly brainstorm in a in a coaching session usually. And then we'll assess scale of one to ten, where are you at in that right now? So we would take like integrity, scale of one to ten, where am I? And assessing that. 
and seeing week over week, we track that and see how are you advancing those and being more the person you want to be. And so all of those words are not external things. They're all internal. So if we're not being the way we want to be, which usually at Divergent U, our students start around an average of about a 6.5 um, out of 10 on their, we call it a, a pulse test is the, the name for it. It's basically a, that well-being check-in. So starting at an average of a 6.5, they typically get to about an 8.5 by the end of the three months. But seeing that we don't put that intention towards it, it's not it's not normal for us to be at as high of a level and knowing who we are typically because we don't take the time to to do that. But practically, it would, it's it's writing out those words and openly brainstorming words and then assessing where we're at. Um, one that I've I've been doing for myself because I do this this test with myself with my team. Um, the word that's been really powerful to me this season of my life is selective. Um, which was not a word that I was conscious of thinking about much before, but being selective with my time, being selective with my friends, being selective with where I give my energy, being selective with what I eat, being selective with where I go, um, and still having that giving, um, that 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 giving energy, but doing it in more selective ways where I'm not. I'm not breaking boundaries for myself. So that word selective has been really powerful for me over the last several months. Uh, that I that's amazing. I literally a few nights ago was uh, talking with uh, with a love of mine, a friend of mine, uh, where I am. We're actively right now stepping into a creative support container and uh and she was asking me, so, but why, why are you choosing to do this specifically as opposed to doing something to help more generally? And yeah, and part of the purpose for me is that I feel like by helping more selectively, it will give me more deeper understanding and insight that can help more in general, uh, but it also is a much more tangible, explicit, hey, this is what I think is the proper order of things. Let's do this. Let's see how it works and s just see what comes from stepping two feet in to this and going from there. And it, and it is selective by choosing to do to focus so much energy here specifically, it does limit the amount of energy that I have to put out in more general ways, at least for a season. Amazing. Yeah, the same thing is happening right now for my season. And, you know, I said I want to live like a nice, boring, simple life. And uh, I'm newly creating this healing space, this home for myself. I've been on the road for three years and I am bought this house. And uh, just in the last two months that I've been living here, I've gone through so many transitions. It's been amazing and hard, mostly amazing. Um, and, you know, I'm realizing like, if I want to be able to like show up in the world the way that I want to show up in the world, I have to say no, like a lot, like a lot, you know, but I want to like, establish myself in this new community and like be a part of it and be supportive and like make friends and like do all these things. But like, 
I'm not going to do that very well if I don't nurture myself first. And nurturing myself first means I say no a lot. Like I don't go out or if I do go out, I come home early and like I don't want to do like a lot of stuff. And it is being selective. Like I'll say I say being boring. I say I'm really picky. I say, you know, things like that. But like I think selective has a better connotation. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. that. I like that word a lot. (laughs) It's been a really powerful word for me to to focus on intentionally once a week in those sessions where I'm like selective. Like I my Jess, my business partner, gives me that word and I'm like, ooh. How am I doing with that? And just having that presented to me on a weekly basis as something that I know I want to work on has, I've seen the progress. I've, I've been more selective because of that. And it's really helping me in business. It's really helping me in, in my health. It's really helping me in a lot of ways. So that's just one, one example or one word that has stood out to me um, recently in, in that. So you've been doing a practice weekly to return to that word, what are some other uh, practices with some level of frequency that you might recommend to our audience if they want to really step deeper into integrity with their own values? So this is a bit intense, but if, if someone can pull this off, it's, it's really powerful. Um, so what we've done in our businesses and applying it to myself as well is taking five core values and making weekday, daily 15-minute practices around those values. So an example of that on the business side is divergent use five core values that we focus on with our team are authority, meaning we all have authority over our projects. Everyone's empowered to be a leader. Uh, Collaboration, so we work together. Divergent thinking, we have creative ideas. Authenticity, we we are honest with each other, we share our truth. And celebration, we celebrate the wins. And so those five core values, we meet for 15 minutes at the beginning of every day for each one. So Monday is our authority meeting. What are we getting done this week? Champion your project. What did you get done last week? Tuesday is our collaboration meeting. Where do you need support? How can we collaborate, work together to make sure everyone's fully supported? Wednesday is divergent thinking. What are some creative ideas of what we could be doing in the future that we're not doing right now? And everyone gets to share. And then authenticity. What's one high and one low for you this week on a more personal level? And then Friday, we have our celebration call. We celebrate what we got accomplished in the week. And so that's a very practical tool. I think it works well when you have um, collaborators to do that with because it just holds you accountable to show up for a set time every day. And it's only sometimes it's only a five minute meeting because we don't have to spend, we, we just intentionally say where everybody answers the question of whatever the value is for that day. And then we close it with what we call a meaningful send off, which is one feeling word and one takeaway. And so everybody talks twice. They share what their needs are based on the call and they close with a feeling word and a takeaway. And that's sometimes five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, but it sets up the day so well that we're all on the same page. We don't run into problems because we address them before they come up in those daily meetings. And some of the meetings aren't necessarily productive, but they're meaningful and it creates that culture with the business. Um, So that could be applied on a group level, but you can do the same thing on an individual level is set those five values and then give yourself a five minute, a 10 minute routine that represents that value to you. Um, and so defining a practice around each value that you could just do a quick five minute, 15 minute 
uh, routine around helps could, you in that. Could you give a couple examples of what a what something an activity might be that is representative of a, of one of the values? As far as those five core values? Yeah, sure. So example like collaboration day. Um, that's that's as a group practice. So we all come to the space and the question is, where are you in need of support? And all we do in that is answer that question and say where you could use collaboration. Sometimes it's, I'm good, I don't need anything today. Um, other times it's, there's areas of support. Um, and so that that's just a really simple, like one question we can ask that we answer. It could be a journal activity if it was um, an individual um, like if it was collaboration as an individual, you could take that and have a collaboration journal. Who am I going to collaborate with today? And just start the day with that journal. You'll, you'll, your intention will, will create the actions behind that. Um, so you could take any value and do it that simply with just a journal with a question. You could get creative with it. If let's say one of your values is peace, maybe you have a 15 minute peaceful meditation. That's a specific meditation practice that helps you get into that peaceful state. Um, maybe one of your values is joy. You do something spontaneous or you jump up and down or you celebrate or you cheer and like you you create a practice around it so that you embody that. Um, just small things, not we don't have to overcomplicate it, just one simple task. Um, and, and that's where the divergent thinking comes in. Be creative. It's your it's your value. So define for you. What does that mean? That's what I would I would recommend to any individual who's trying to define that. I think that's awesome. And I think that, um, you know, the reminder to keep it really small and keep it simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, a huge thing. Cause I think so many people who are trying to live more deliberate lifestyles, um, are already kind of feeling, they're feeling overwhelmed and that's why they're looking for a change. That's why they're looking for something else. And so if you give them like, why well, you got to journal in the morning for an hour and then you got to do yoga in the afternoon for an hour and then you got to read in the evening for an hour, they're going to be like, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? Gotta, like, gotta, no gotta, way. gotta, 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 Yeah, and it's like, just should, 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 should. <laughs> two, two of my meetings yesterday with um, some of our Diverging U members were, I literally gave them the assignment for the week to take a break. That was literally the assignment I gave them. Like, you're overwhelmed right now. Life is, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to slow down. One of them just moved to Colorado and I told him, explore. Like, that is your assignment for the week. Explore. Yeah. Whatever that means to you, do that. That's all you have to do this week. And so sometimes that, that breath is necessary. Like, I don't believe in maximizing productivity. I believe in maximizing meaning. And we don't have to be productive to be meaningful. And sometimes productive is in contrast to meaningful. Um, so that that's my perspective on that. I feel like we could have an entire podcast episode about uh, rest. I mean, we talked about doing an entire podcast episode specifically on rest and how to rest because we don't necessarily know how to do it, especially if you're a part of like startup entrepreneurial hustle and grind culture and then it's just like you got to maximize your time and your profits and your productivity and like all these things otherwise you're not succeeding and like what does that even mean and you're just burning the candle at both ends and you're gonna have to like if you don't take a break your body is gonna make you take a break yeah i i had a i had a thing very recently around the emphasis that we tend to put on productivity and uh where i i encourage friends to have a productive day and then 
like I just, I felt a little icky afterwards. <laughs> I was like, huh, productive. Is that is that actually like I feel like that's that's a very specific thing, and it has value, but 100%. it's a very specific thing. And so instead, I kind of decided more of what I want to encourage, which is bringing it more into alignment with my values is I hope you have a day that is in support of creativity. Mm. And that might mean being productive. That might mean resting. That might mean going out and exploring. Uh, That might mean uh, just sitting there and brainstorming and letting, letting ideas come in. It could be any of those, but it's recognizing that productivity is just one vein of creativity. It's the productivity is the byproduct. And so if we step into that meaning, if we step into that purpose, if we're doing something we care about, naturally productivity productivity will occur. It's when we start to judge it and compare it and all of those things. Um, we had a really philosophical uh, class a couple of days ago on time and our perspective on time. And one really powerful shift that we talked about was looking at time as running out versus looking at time as adding up. And if we see our time, like if you're in the hourglass and the sand is going to the bottom, are you the sand at the top and you're feeling like you're running out? Or are you the sand at the bottom and every day you're getting more? Mm, I love that. That shift to say like, we're not running out of time. Today's a blessing. Yesterday was a blessing Um, to say, if we say, I don't have enough time, it can be a disrespectful statement to the moment because we have now. And so like you're suggesting that now is not enough by saying, I don't have enough time because you have this time right now. And so that is the shift. And I think the, the perspective we spoke on in class a couple of days ago. I love that. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) I think anytime you can shift uh, like productivity away from being like the main goal or associating your self-worth with how productive you are. And, you know, I mean, that's fucking huge Um, for me personally, uh, not to project on everybody, but I'm pretty sure on most people in America. (laughs) Well, and and it's that it's that box and it's Mm -hmm. and it shows. Yeah. for, For me as well, how much. Even even with the amount of energy and effort that I put towards trying to be outside of the box, how much I am still affected by the box because when I have a productive day and I knocked all these things off my to-do list, I feel really great about that day, which, great, I should. But when I have a day where I feel like resting, And I actually rest and I don't quote unquote get stuff done. I still don't, I don't feel as good about myself as those days when I'm productive and I'm, and I'm working to, to adjust that and to reward myself for rest, reward myself for other things that are actually value, valuable instead of just rewarding myself with those with that like that 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 serotonin of oh I had a productive day 
but it's it's deeply ingrained and it's deeply reinforced by the the culture that we're in yeah yeah it's i think especially how you said america like definitely our culture is very much the productive get things done everybody's trying to climb the ladder to the top and there's there's a lot of toxicity around that that doesn't allow us to step into what's meaningful we're worried too much about um what's productive i think and that that uh that shift is is so so powerful. I've seen it for myself, and I try to be very grateful for every day. Like I think about it, and I've, I'm I'm blessed that I've accomplished so much at this point that I don't feel the need to. Like there's nothing like there's a lot of things I want to do, and there's things I'm moving towards, but I feel like I've done so much that I need to stop. I've gotten to a place of stopping judging where I'm at, and be like, I need to be ahead of this. So I need. Like I can relax and be grateful for what I have and see every single day as a blessing, um, which is is a mindset and it's not easy to stay consistent with. But speaking about it now even gives me more of that consistent reminder uh, to stay in that. Yeah. One thing that I broached on my Instagram page like last week or something was um you know, how people define success. And I asked my followers, like, how do you define success for yourself? And I had a few people who were like, you know what, I have been thinking on that for like 10 minutes. And I have no idea. I have never tried to define success for myself. And it's like, well, no wonder I've been miserable for the last six months, 12 months, six years, you know, like, I've never done that. And I'm like, that honestly, like, that's what I like to hear. I like a way to ask the question that you're realizing it. Right. Like that. Not I mean, of course, I want people to to be born into this. I want I want our culture to be so different than it is right now. But I love hearing from people who are like, I've actually never thought about that. And I think that I should maybe. And so what if we also, you know, took that definition towards productivity? Like what does being productive mean? Like right now, the American definition of productivity is providing generally financial value to somebody else. Maybe to yourself, maybe, but that's like selfish and egotistical and bad. So really productivity is providing some kind of monetary gain to somebody else. And what if we changed it? Like have a productive day is more like take care of yourself today, whatever you need today. Like you're going to be more productive in the traditional sense if your cup is filled, if you take regular rest breaks, if you create, if you help others, if you you know, if, if you take a more holistic approach to it, if your approach to life is like, how much money can I make for somebody else or for myself? Like that's very singularly minded and you're going to burn out real, real fast. But if you take a holistic approach and you're selective about how you spend your time and what you put in your body, what you eat, what you drink, um, what media you consume, that sort of thing. And you, and you redefine what productivity even means. Like you can change your life just from like one simple word redefining Mm, yummy amazing (laughs) sometimes i go on rampages on my podcast thanks for (laughs) this it's so good so good yeah we need more of that like that (laughs) i feel like this is like the beginning of the episode and like we've been talking for an hour and so we're gonna have to wrap it up But um, if we could have you on again, where we just start with redefining productivity, I think that would, we could make a series. It'll be great. (laughs) We could could talk for 10 hours straight, probably. 
Yeah, probably. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, Sam, where can people find out more about you, about Divergent U? Uh, where where are you on the interwebs? Right now, my, my primary focus personally, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube are the three platforms that I would say you can find me personally. It's just my name, Sam Terrell, on all three. Uh, I have a book coming out. Uh, untitled still haven't come up with a name yet but it's an autobiography documenting my whole journey through business we didn't even talk about covid and how that collapsed everything and i was nearly bankrupt had to let go of my staff had to basically start from zero after 10 years of hard work and rebuild from there so that i talk talk about all of that in my book Um, that'll be coming out this summer is the goal so aiming for that but you can follow me on instagram on linkedin or on youtube youtube specifically i have music videos i create uh music uh, hip-hop i have some like a lullaby is the one i just posted (laughs) Uh, i have uh, some spoken word on there so uh, you can follow me there and then divergent you is just divergent-u.com you can follow us on instagram divergent uh, underscore university and we don't have a lot of con- current content there but we have a whole lot that's about to come out so depending on when this goes live there might already be a lot there um, a lot of featured alumni our alumni just real quick to shout out a couple of our alumni that are doing really well um, free the roots is a natural soap company they started from zero they're now in six figures of revenue um, we're helping them try to get to seven is the the goal now we have cj champion is a professional dunker so he travels the world dunking a basketball uh, he's i didn't a, know that was even a thing a professional dunker that's a that thing that sounds like something that sounds like something if you ask like a kindergartner like what do you want to be when you grow up i just want to dunk basketballs like and this, which, there's an which adult that kindergartner like he was saying yeah they, they now, are now, genius level divergence so i fucking love it that's do amazing. that professionally it's possible wow. So, and then lastly, Sean, Sean uh, just started his reconnect movement, which is helping people disconnect from their phone and get back into the real world and like reconnect with their humanity. And he, he gave a talk on it that was really, really powerful. So he started that movement. So those are just a few of the the alumni that I would say are worth checking out as well, but they'll be featured on Divergent News page. Um, and that's uh, those are the places I would say to look, look out for me. Awesome. Sam, thank you so very much for joining us today. This is this has been a very inspiring conversation. Amazing. I'm so so happy to be here. I definitely would love to come back and do it again because there's so many more things we could jump down the rabbit hole on, I'm sure. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, so thank you to everybody who has made it to the end of the episode. As always, making it to the end is a pretty cool thing to do. Um, if you liked this episode, go ahead and like it. Five stars, thumbs up whatever it is on the platform that you're consuming it on that is how we get the algorithms to see us uh if you know someone who might benefit from this specific conversation maybe a creative who's trying to start a business or a business person who's trying to lean into their creativity send them this episode um share sam's work with them and divergent use work with them um and go ahead subscribe leave a review do all the things come join our patreon follow everybody on instagram you know it's my usual spiel at the end of podcast so uh, i hope you guys tune in next week for another excellent episode bye bye